Harvest New Beginnings Church is located in Oswego, Illinois. We exist for God's glory alone, encouraging each other to have a deep love for God and a sincere love for people. This message is brought to you by Pastor Scott Poling. I got this text this past week. Um, Scott, Happy New Year. Hope all is well with you and the family. Would like to schedule a review with you and Carla sometime. Let me know if you have any Mondays that will work. Thanks, Dave. I gave him the thumbs up. And uh, you may say, well, what, that's, what is that all about? Well, Dave's a longtime friend and he's a financial planner. And we get together like once a year. And he kind of goes over the review of our finances and our funds and our retirement and returns. And, and then he makes suggestions and any changes, reallocation of funds based on, you know, indexes and, and uh, indices and different things like that. And he doesn't have a crystal ball. No financial planner does, you know, when it comes to money and investments and retirement accounts. And, and nothing is certain, but there is one indicator that is always accurate. There is one indicator that is always certain. There is one indicator that is always reliable, and that is the word of the living God. As a matter of fact, there are more verses in the Bible on the subject of money than there are on heaven and hell combined. Um, Specifically, there are 727 verses in the Bible that mention heaven and hell, and there's over 2,000 that mention money. And when it comes to Jesus and his parables, over 40% of all of Jesus' parables dealt with the topic of what? Money. Now, this is going to surprise you, but what do you think I'm preaching on today? Money. Can you believe that a pastor is going to preach on money? So I want everybody to calm down right now. You're going to be okay. You at home, you in person, everybody take a deep breath and breathe out. Turn to the person next to you and say, it's going to be okay. He's preaching on money. It's going to be okay, all right? So I want you to get that. I, wanna, I want you to put any fears away, all right? Do you, do you realize why I'm preaching on money? Because it's in the Bible. And do you realize why I'm preaching on money? Not only is it in the Bible. As a pastor, I am called to preach the whole counsel of God. And do you realize that if I don't preach on money, I am in sin, Please understand, that's how serious it is when it comes to the preaching of God's word. And, and I don't preach on money very often. So if you're here today, you're online or you're here in person, and you say, well, the last time I heard this guy preach on, uh, last time I was here, I heard him preach on money. That just tells me you haven't been here in over a year. That's just what that tells me, okay? So I don't preach on this very often. But I want to assure you of a few things. I want to assure you of a few things. First is this, it's going to be Biblical. What you hear will be based on the Bible, all right? Many of you have heard me preach many, many times. You know I only preach the Bible. And if you're fine with my preaching, you should be fine with me preaching on this topic as well. I am the same guy, and this is the same Bible. Uh, Something else I want to just assure you of, you're not going to be taken advantage of. There's going to be no manipulation going on, okay? Here's something else. You've heard me say this before. I have never known what anybody in this church has ever given financially in 27 years of ministry here. Many pastors know what everybody in their church gives and what they don't give. I have never looked at any giving records in 27 years. And there's, that's on purpose. For one reason is I'm, I'm not going to be tempted to kiss up to any big givers. Okay? I'm not going to be tempted that way. You're a big giver, that's between you and God. I'm also not going to be tempted to look down my nose at you that are so disobedient and you never give anything. 
because I'd be really disappointed when I passed you in the hallway. And so I want to fight that temptation as well. Um, here's another thing I want you to know. I practice what I preach. What you hear today, my wife and I, Carla, have practiced for 31 years of marriage. And we have practiced these principles for 27 years of, as being the pastor here as well. So understand that. I don't just preach and not do it. I practice what I preach. So financial planning, I want you to wel welcome you to your appointment today. Good to have you. All right, and, and God is going to teach us some sound financial advice. So are you excited to hear some sound financial advice? Yes, yeah, some of you are, I guess. I better clap because they're clapping around me. Clap at home, okay? It's going to be fun. We're going to learn, all right? That's what it's all about. So turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. The Apostle Paul is teaching these believers at the church in Corinth the what and the how and the whys of giving. And so we have this sound financial advice, these principles to live by and to give by. And we're just going to look at two verses today. So 2 Corinthians, all right, chapter 9, look at verse 6 and 7. Verse 6 and 7 of 2 Corinthians 9. Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do just as he's purposed in his heart, not grudgingly, or under compulsion, say it with me, for God loves a cheerful giver. Sound financial advice number one, giving must be bountiful. Why? Because of the law of the harvest. You cannot break the law of the harvest. No one can break the law of the harvest because of the law of the harvest. And this is law. There's no exceptions to this. It's very matter of fact and it can't be changed. What is the law? He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. That's law. He who sows, sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. It's like a mathematical equation. This plus this is going to equal this. And the law is authoritative. It's the law of God. Now I say, not the S&P, not Dow Jones, not the NASDAQ, not some other financial planner. This is God's word and it is certain. Do you believe in the word of the living God? That's the first question. Do you believe God's word is true? Then this is true as well. This principle is just as much true as, as, as if anyone calls on the name of the Lord, he shall be saved. Understand that. Every Christian is what he's teaching here is a farmer. You're either a smart one or you're a foolish one. Every Christian is a farmer. You're either a generous one or you're a cheap one. So we've got to start seeing our giving like a farmer sees his planting. What kind of farmer are you? And the formula for farming is the formula for giving, and it is a very simple formula. Don't complicate it. Just trust it. Here's the first part of it. He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. You plant a little, and you're going to produce little. Ask any farmer that. The yield of the field is directly tied to the amount that is planted. You reap what you sow. Any smart farmer knows this. Any smart Christian knows this. You give little, you're guaranteed little in return. Just understand this. God does not reward cheap givers. He never has. He never will. God rewards faithful, generous givers. He always has. He always will. According to his word, not my words. I didn't write this. This is the word of God. See, the issue is stewardship. You would not reward a bad employee. 
who was being foolish with your resources. You wouldn't do it. God doesn't either. He doesn't reward cheap Christians, cheap children. He, he's smart. He's wise. He sees what's going on. He sees what you give and what you don't give. I don't. Others don't. But God does. That's the first part of the formula. Plant little. Don't expect much. Expect little. Here's the second part of the formula. Plant much. Reap much. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. See, your greatest investment is not in real estate. Your greatest investment is not in stocks. Your greatest investment is not in Bitcoin. Your greatest investment is in generosity. You can't lose when you are generous. You never ever lose when you are generous. It's the law of the harvest. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. It is God's promise. It is God's law. The more a farmer plants, the more that he reaps. Now, we need to check our motives. We don't give to get. We don't give to try to manipulate God. God, I'm going to do this so I get this. This is not the health, wealth, prosperity gospel of, of false teachers out there. But the principle is in Scripture. God takes notice, God rewards, and God does indeed bless. And, and he provides, and he blesses in different ways. It's not necessarily monetarily. It, it could be with job or jobs. It could be cost savings. It could be gifts from others. It could be unexpected blessings. God promises to take care of you and me. That's what he does. And this is a promise. It's law. It's his formula. And by the way, this is not just an isolated verse yanked out of context. This principle and these verses are all over the scripture. Remember, there's 2,000 plus verses on finances. Here's another one. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 9. Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all of your produce so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. And he takes us back to an agrarian society. Giving to God comes with a promise. So the question is, do you believe in the promises of God? Answer. Do you believe God is true to his word? Answer. So then follow through with what God says. And he promises full barns. That's where the produce would be brought in and stored. He, he promises these vats, these pools and tubs will be filled with this grape juice that is collected. Here's another verse, verse Proverbs chapter 11. There is one who scatters, again planting, and yet he increases all the more. There's one that withholds what is justly due, and it results only in want, greed, covetousness. The generous man will be prosperous, and he who waters will himself be watered. So we see the theme here, scatter, you increase. Generous, you'll be prosperous. Water, you will be watered. Please note the danger, though. You withhold, it will result in want. See, a lack of giving results in greed. Do you understand the importance of generosity in your life? Generosity will guard my heart from greed. And generosity will guard your heart from greed. Be generous. Guard your heart. Protect it from hardening. Protect it from spiritual heart disease. Here's another verse, Malachi chapter 3. Will a man rob God? God asks. You going to rob me? Yet you are robbing me. You say, well, how, how have we robbed you, God? In tithes and offerings. 
And by the way, you're cursed with a curse for your robbing you. You bring upon yourself an induced curse when you rob God. He says, the whole nation of you. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I'll not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. And so God is speaking to Israel here and he's saying, will you stop robbing me? You're just bringing a curse upon yourself when you, when you try to rob God from what is already his. And God says, will you start giving to me and will you start giving like you know you should be giving, but you've been making excuses. Start giving like you know you should be giving. And then God says, test me. Again, do you believe me or not? Do you believe my word or not? Do you believe I really am God or not? Or are you just playing some kind of religious game? He says, test me. And he says, test me when? Tell me. Now. Test me now because I'm tired of you procrastinating. And I'm tired of your excuses. And I'm tired of you doubting that I'm going to take care of you. I want you to test me now, because I'm tired of it. No more putting this off. Test me now, if I'm real or not, if I'm faithful or not. You just sung about my faithfulness. Why don't you test me on it? Stop playing games with me. God says, do you want the overflowing blessings or not? That's what he says. There'll be overflowing blessings. If you trust me, test me. Here's another verse, Luke chapter 6, the words of Jesus, verse 38. He said, give and it will be given to you. It will be. They'll pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. Very clear promise here. It will be given to you. It will be measured to you. You get to choose. Again, it's the law. It's the law of the farmer. And then he uses this interesting imagery, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Kind of gives us the picture of a yard bag. You know when you, you mow your yard and you got all the grass clippings or you're raking your yard and you got all the leaves? And you take that yard bag and you stuff the grass clippings in there and you go mow more and then you stuff more grass clippings in there and you, you shake the bag and you put your foot in there, you take your little kid and you <laughs> put them in there. And you just keep stuffing it down, stuffing it down to make room for more. That's what God says I'm going to do for you. I'm just going to shake it up, and I'm going to push it down, and it's going to overflow with blessings. I didn't write that. God did. I didn't say that. Jesus did. He's saying, don't you understand? As you give, it will be given to you. You get to choose the standard of measure. Choose wisely, because it will be given as you give. Sound financial advice number one, giving must be bountiful. It's the law of the harvest. Sound financial advice number two, giving must be personal. Look at verse seven, just the beginning of it. Each one must do. See, our financial advisor, Dave, gives Carla and I advice. But we make the final decision. But we almost always go with his suggestions. Why? Because he's the expert. He knows best. God is the expert. He knows best. I mean, we can be there trying to figure out everything to do, and we're going to make a mess of our finances. God says, that's why some of you are such a mess. Because you're not relying on the expert. God's been dealing with humans for thousands of years. Oh, he knows humans very well. 
And he said, would you just listen to me? Would you just follow my advice for a change? You were messing up your marriage and you decided to follow my advice and now look, it's helping you out. You were messing up your business and you started to do principles in my word. Your finances are no different. Would you just start following my word in every area of your life, including this one? He's the expert. Go with God on this. It's an individual decision. Let's look at an individual decision, shall we? Let's watch along with Jesus and the disciples as they're at the temple. And they're at the treasury at the temple in Jerusalem. And look at Mark chapter 12. He sat down opposite the treasury, began observing how the people were putting money into the treasury, and many rich people were putting in large sums. That was their personal decision. Poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which amount to a cent. That was her personal decision. And Jesus calls his disciples to him, and he said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all the contributors to the treasury. For they all put in out of their surplus, but she, out of her poverty, put in all that she owned, all she had to live on. So we have this scene of Jesus, very interesting, watching people put their offerings in. And so he's watching them, calls the disciples over. And there's these guys putting in big bucks. Woohoo! Man, making a big impression. And then this little widow lady comes up. She does this. That's all she got. She puts it in. And then Jesus gives this mind-blowing teaching. He says, truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all the contributors to the treasury. They put in out of their surplus, she out of her poverty put in all that she owned, all she had to live on. And he teaches some amazing lessons. Here's the first one. Never let poverty keep you from generosity. Being poor is never an excuse not to give to God. As a matter of fact, according to the law of the harvest, you can't afford not to give. Any of us. You can't afford not to give. We have a great example of giving out of poverty, this group of churches in northern Greece. We know three of them, Thessalonica, Berea, and Philippi. They were pooling their resources. They were Gentile churches. And they were going to support the Jewish church that was very poor and hurting back in Jerusalem. We read about it in 2 Corinthians 8. Now, brethren, we wish to make known to you the grace of God which has been given in the churches of Macedonia. Then at a great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy... And their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord, begging us with much urging for the favor of participation and the support of the saints. They were like, let us give more, let us do more. And this, not as we had expected, but they first gave of themselves to the Lord. That's the key to generous giving. You must first give yourself to God from the heart. They gave them themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. See, you will never get this down until your heart is fully surrendered to God. And if you struggle in the area of giving, you're not surrendered to God. That's the truth, whether you want to hear it or not. You don't give to God. You don't give to God like you should be. You're not surrendered to God. You've not given yourself to God. I don't care how big a Bible you you carry and how many times you come to church. Let's get right down to it. 
you're not surrendered to God. It's time that you give yourself to God, first and foremost. Here's, here's something else we learn from the sweet little old widow lady. God never misses a genuine act of generosity, no matter how small. He sees what everybody gives. And it's a thing of beauty in his eyes. And the smallest of gifts can make the biggest impression, not on people, but on God. And that's where it counts. Which brings us to another one. Never think of a small gift as an, an unimportant gift. The smallest of gifts are important in God's eyes. Which brings us to our next lesson. In the eyes of God, it's the percent given that is greater than the amount given. Please do not miss that. It's all about the percent. It's not about the amount. See, we're too often impressed with big numbers or we're impressed with ourselves and big numbers and we look back at what we gave and say, wow! God says, what was that percent? What was the percent? Because it's not about the amount. Don't be too high on yourself. What was the percent? The percent puts all givers on a level playing field. Whether they got a lot of money, whether they have hardly any money. It's percent giving that matters in the eyes of God, not amount giving. So, next lesson, practice percent giving, not amount giving. Don't be overly impressed with your amount. God, is this the percent that you want? What percent do you want? That's what you need to pray about. That's what you need to wrestle with. Don't even look at the number. Look at the percent. Which also she teaches us to practice sacrificial giving, not surplus giving. There's all kinds of people just give, 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 but it doesn't make a change in their life. God wants to see some sacrifice. That's what gets his attention. Do you sacrifice when you give? Or is it just kind of the skim off the top? It really doesn't make a difference. Start practicing sacrificial giving, not surplus giving. I, I can't tell you what to give but I can tell you how to give because God makes it very, very clear. Sound financial advice number one, giving must be bountiful. Giving must be personal. Here's the third one. Giving must be purposeful. Look at the second part of verse seven. Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart. So this is on purpose giving. This is thoughtful giving. Taking time to think through it. This is mindful giving. This is prayerful giving. This is biblical giving. This is planned out giving. I have a plan to my giving. That's why people have financial planners. So they're not haphazard and they're not hit or miss. Some Christians have no plan to their giving. They're haphazard. And they're more missed than hit. They never think through their giving. They never pray about their giving. They never, there's no consistency to their giving whatsoever. So let's work on having a financial plan. Here, let's start here. Think first of God. That's where it starts. Proverbs 3 again, verse 9. Honor the Lord from your wealth. Think of the Lord. Honor means to give great weight of importance to. Start valuing God. Start seeing the importance of God when it comes to your money. Because money talks 
Oh yeah, it does. Just look at your checkbook. It talks. Look at your mobile banking app. Oh, it talks. Look at the record of your transactions, financial transactions. Oh, they talk. You know what they testify? They testify to who is important in your life. They testify to what is important in your life. Do you know what your finances testify to? Who you honor and what you honor in your life. And for many of us, it's time we start honoring God because we have not been honoring God when it comes to our finances. So let's think first of God. Here's the second part. Let's give first to God. That's the second part of verse 9. Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. It means you give God from the top. Planned giving always gives to God first. Your plan is backwards if you do not give to God first. Always give to God first. You don't wait to see if there's any leftovers, and if I have anything left over, I'll give it to God. Some people treat God worse than they treat their dog. Your dog gets your leftovers from your table, many of you. Some of you give zero leftovers to God. You don't even give God leftovers. You treat him despicably. This God who loves you and died for you and saved you and forgives you that you pray to. Stop giving God your leftovers. Make them your priority. Here's another one. Not only think first of God and give first to God, set aside on the first day of the week for God. It's a great principle that helped Christians in the Corinthian church. 1 Corinthians 16.2. On the first day of every week, that's Sunday by the way, (laughs) each one of you is to put aside and save as he may prosper. So then no collections may be made when I come. Each person. So it's, it's individual, it's personal. First day of the week, so it's planned. It's planned giving. And so work the plan. Work the plan in giving to God. Thinking first of God, giving first to God, setting aside on the first day of the week for God. See, see there's, there's many people that are out of shape physically. And they've recently joined a, church, or joined a gym, didn't they? Woohoo! They made their resolutions, going to start the new year off. They have great intentions, and they go to the gym for one week and two weeks, and it starts to wane a little bit. There's a lot of Christians that are out of shape. They're out of shape financially. Their giving is way out of shape. They're weak, they're soft, and they're inconsistent. And it's time for you to start exercising regularly giving regularly to god it's time and by the way when you go to a gym there's tools to help you there's personal trainers to help you let we've got tools at our church here to help you get in shape what are some of them offering envelopes pick them up they're at the ministry information center there's in-person giving as soon as you exit you can give to god you can text to give you can give online I mean, everybody's doing stuff with their phone and online. Give that way. I was talking to Nick Forshee this past week on Friday. He works in our office, and he told me, I didn't know this. He said, oh, by the way, Pastor Scott, we accept cryptocurrency and stocks and mutual funds and ETF exchange. I'm like, what? We do? I have no idea. He said, and also, he said, also, we have a tool to help the people in our church identify if your employer matches what you give to nonprofits. I didn't even know there was such a thing. 
but there, there are businesses out there that will match what you give to your church. We have a tool to see if, if yours does that. You may say, well, that just, why, this is crazy. This is so greedy. No, it isn't. It's to help you be a, big, a good steward before the Lord. To meet you where you are in your finances and to help you be faithful to God. Again, like a personal trainer at a gym. And some of you here, some of you online, some of you in person, you're struggling with your finances. You haven't been able to get a hold on your finances. We have trained biblical counselors that will help you. And by the way, our counseling is always free. Find counselors today that are free. We have trained biblical counseling at our church that will help you in this area as well as many other areas. So, so have on-purpose giving and planned giving. And let's talk about this percent giving for a minute. We already saw this poor widow, and she gave the greatest percent of all. She gave all. But the Old Testament taught about percent giving known as the tithe. 10% of the income, and in some cases it went up to upward to 30%. Now before we get into the details of the tithe and 10%, I want you to understand who the tithe went to and what the tithe supported. Do you realize the tithe in the Old Testament supported the ministry of the Levites? The Levites. The Levites were spread across the land of Israel into the allotted tribes serving God's people as spiritual leaders. Do you understand what your giving does and who your giving supports when you give? You support this church. You support our staff. You support your pastors. You support those who serve you and love you and pray for you and care for you and counsel you and spiritually feed you. That's who you support. And you support our families. You feed our children by your giving. You clothe our children. You pay our medical bills. You pay our rent and utilities. That's what you do when you give to the local church. I want you to understand when you don't give, you basically tell us, we don't care for you. We don't care if you're a pastor or not. What's in it for us? We don't care about your children, Pastor Scott, or the rest of the staff and their kids and their wives. This is not manipulation. It's the truth. And you need to hear the truth, some of you. Because you're very cheap and you're very selfish. And that's the truth. And you don't care. And it's time you start caring for somebody other than yourself. And you start supporting those who love you and care for you. And you who do support and you do give, thank you. From the bottom of our hearts, thank you for loving us. And thank you for caring for us. So if you're blessed to be a part of this church, this is where you attend, this is where you're spiritually fed, support this church. Support the people that are here. And understand this, you don't eat at Culver's and then go over to McDonald's and pay. There's all kinds of ministries out there you can support. Where are you fed? Where are you spiritually encouraged? That's where you should be supporting. So support us and love us that way. Now, back to percentage giving. You know, some people say, well, Jesus never taught on tithing. I would agree with Dwight. False. False. So many people are wrong here, and so many people need to understand and know their Bibles. 
Matthew 23, 23, Jesus to the religious leaders with some strong words. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You tithe mint and dill and cumin, and you've neglected the weightier provisions of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These are the things you should have done without neglecting the others. Repeat it again in Luke chapter 11. Woe to you, Pharisees, for you pay tithe of mint and rue and every kind of garden herb. And yet you disregard justice, the love of God, and these are the things you should have done without neglecting the others. And that important phrase is mentioned twice there, and you should not miss it. It's in the context of tithing. And what is the phrase? These are the things you should have done without neglecting the others. What is he talking about there? In other words, don't neglect the tithe. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, give your tithe. And keep on tithing. And tithe of all of your income that comes in. If there was ever a time for Jesus to say, hey, tithing is Old Testament and tithing isn't supposed to be done today, this was it. And he does just the opposite. He encourages their tithing and he says, don't stop tithing. But he says, please remain balanced. He says, I not only want you to be a faithful giver, but you got to make sure you're also godly. And notice the religious leaders are faithful givers. I mean, look at verse 42. You pay tithe of mint and rue and every kind of garden herb. I mean, these guys were, were tithing. They were giving off the smallest of their income from the smallest of spices. They were honoring God in everything that came in. They were tithing off of everything, and that is commendable. And some of you are doing that. You give to God, you tithe of, to, to God of everything that comes in, and that is commendable. But listen carefully. You can be a giver and still not be godly. And he's saying, I want both. I want you to be a generous giver, but I want to make sure you're also godly. What is he talking about? Well, he's saying you're, you're faithful at giving, but you're really weak at justice. And you're weak at showing mercy toward people. And you're weak at faithfulness. And you're weak at loving God. He's saying, yeah, you can give, but I want you to be godly. I want you to bring both together and have that balance in your life. This is sound financial advice. Giving must be bountiful, personal, purposeful, and then finally, giving must be cheerful. Look at verse 7, the second part of it. Not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves, say it with me, a cheerful giver. See, attitude is everything. He says, don't give grudgingly. It literally means out of sorrow. It's, it's giving. It's like giving is painful and it causes me agony. And, and it's like going to the dentist and somebody pulling my tooth. And see, some of you are in agony listening to this message right now. You're like, oh, I can't stand this anymore. And all they care about is money. You got a problem. You got a serious problem because you think it's all about you and you're holding on and greed is taking your heart and you don't understand the generosity of your God. And I'm so sorry to torture you with this message and burden you so severely. The word of God is what you should be thanking God for because it works in your heart and it brings conviction to your soul and it makes you more like Jesus and less like this world. Understand something. What this word means is reluctant, resentful, unwilling. It's the kind of face I make when my wife asks me to watch a Hallmark movie. It's this kind of face. Oh. 
That's how some of you give. It's like, ugh. That's, that's the wrong attitude. It's the wrong look. So he says not grudgingly, and he says not under compulsion. It shouldn't be forced out of you and coerced out of you and pressured. Okay, that's what he's talking about here. Do you, do you not understand money as a test? Listen carefully. God doesn't need your money. Do you understand that? God doesn't need your money. He's the one that created everything out of nothing. He's the one that tells Peter, go down and pull a coin out of a fish's mouth. Do you really think he needs your money? Money is a test of your character, of your faith, of your priorities in this life. It's a test of our love and devotion. Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters. He'll either hate the one, love the other. He'll be devoted to one, despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. So money is a test of who you serve and who you're devoted to. Money is a test of our heart, Matthew 6, 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, do you realize money is a thermometer of your spiritual temperature? God's just taking your temperature with the money that you have. That's what he's doing. He wants to know if you're coming down with a fever of greed. He wants to know if you're coming down with a sickness of selfishness. And money is an always accurate indicator. I had COVID three weeks ago and got the at-home test and took the at-home test and it was negative. I didn't, still didn't feel good, so I went, yep, I was positive. Yeah, it worked, worked, not work, whatever. Money always works. It is always an accurate indicator of my heart and an accurate indicator of your heart. And he says, you know what? Start storing up treasures in heaven. That's what generosity does. See, I want you to understand your greatest security is that which is stored in a heavenly vault, not in an earthly bank. Stuff here doesn't last, breaks, rots, gets stolen. Proverbs 23, verse 4 and 5, don't worry yourself to gain wealth. Cease from your consideration of it. When you set your eyes on it, it gone. <laughs> Money just flies away. Wealth certainly makes itself wings like an eagle. It flies toward the heavens. Don't give grudgingly. Don't give under compulsion. What does God love? Cheerful giver. And that's because he's a cheerful giver. That's how God gives to us. Attitude is everything. And he just loves cheerful givers. So make it bountiful. Make it personal. Make it purposeful. But by all means, make it cheerful. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus in Acts 20. It is more blessed to give than to receive. That's some sound financial advice principles to live by and give by. Same with me. Giving must be bountiful. Giving must be personal. Giving must be purposeful. And giving must be cheerful. So let's pray together. You who are believers in the Lord online, here in, in person, would you just bow your heads, close your eyes? Would you just talk to the Lord about your money? It's between you and him. You've heard his word. What does God want you to change when it comes to this topic? Maybe it's start, time to start looking at the percent. 
Say, God, it's not about the amount with you. It's about the percent. What do I need to change? Would you ask him to guard your heart from greed? Would you thank him that he always follows through on his promises? The law of the harvest is true. Thank him for that. Thank him that his word is sure and that he can be trusted. He is a faithful God. For some of you, you've come under conviction because you're not where you need to be. Would you confess that sin to God? Because that's what it is. It's sin. No more excuses. No more procrastinating. Make it right with God right now. Trust him. Step out in faith. heads are bowed and eyes are closed, you may be here again online or in person and you've not come to faith in Jesus, please listen very carefully. Do not give a dime to this church. This is not about you giving. This is about you receiving. The last thing we would want is for you to think you're going to heaven because you're a good person or you gave something to God. Please don't give a thing. This is a time to understand how good God is and how giving God is and that he will forgive you and save you of all your sins. You may say, Scott, that's me. I know I need God in my life. I don't know where to start. I'm ashamed of all of my sin. What do I do? In the quietness of your heart right now, would you call out to the Lord? And would you ask him to forgive you and save you? Just use words like these. Just sincerely in your heart, call out to God, Lord, I need you. I'm tired of all of my sin. Would you please forgive me of all of my sin? Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for loving me. Lord, I can't save myself. I place my faith in you. Would you please save me? Would you please forgive me of all of my sin? And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. If you've been prompted by this message and are in need of a new beginning or would like more information about Harvest New Beginnings, visit atharvest.church.